And the Oscar goes to... Welcome to Blessed Picture, a podcast where we explore underrated or off-the-wall movies we think are totally blessed. I'm your host, Shelby Mooring. And I'm your other host, Sky Payne. And uh, cue up the Michael Bolton soundtrack, don't eat too many weed cookies and save up your money for Galveston, because this week we are talking about a little movie from 2018 called Never Going Back. Yay. This is, full disclosure, the second time we're recording <laughs> part of this episode <laughs> we're do it live folks we're, we're just doing it live. fuck it we're doing it live truly we've been on the struggle bus my cat has been harassing and haranguing me and our production we're just Missy doesn't realize that this is a professional podcast she was not taking it seriously enough so she has been removed from the situation <laughs> she's literally been removed from the studio <laughs> The studio being my bedroom. <laughs> Kicked yeah. her out. It's like I feel like I was recording Jerry Springer at several points. It's absolutely unruly. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, never going back, you're probably asking yourself, what the hell is this movie? This movie is a movie from 2018 directed by Augustine Frizzell. It is an A24 movie. And it is a teen movie, which makes it sort of being this underrated movie, at least in my opinion, sort of shocking because A24 and teens and you have Maya Mitchell and Camilla Marone, who are two like very beautiful, aesthetically pleasing actresses who are younger. And you would think that film Twitter would be having a fucking cow over this. Some would say the first cow even. <laughs> But unfortunately, they do not. I hadn't even heard of this before you had suggested it for the podcast. Which, which is I, extra surprising. Because yeah. I feel like I'm very in tuned. It, it premiered at Sundance in 2018, which I attended and saw many films and many A24 films. And I completely missed this one. And I'm very sad that I did. And it's really interesting because A24 like is very much like the thing along with neon now which is very much rising up in the ranks and i think with a24 sort of starting to be eclipsed by neon people are starting to talk more about a24's issues which a lot of them tend to be their promotion of films usually they're films that are directed by or led by people of color tend to be sort of paid dust so it's kind of shocking that this film starring two white girls like didn't get the same sort of attention in that respect and I mean this is this is pre-book smart and this was post Lady Bird so it's sort of like right in the middle so you would think that they would be keen on you know promoting another movie that's kind of like Lady Bird only in the sense that it's a coming-of-age movie about uh two girls who are not rich who live in poverty essentially and are a little crazy and quirky i watched this movie specifically in november of 2018 and i remember prior to that seeing it 
in front of like eighth grade and a bunch of other movies I would have seen at the theater at the time. It didn't end up coming near me, so I watched it through um, <clears throat> alternative means, which I will not go into because I'm a Christian woman. I'm a woman of God. Not, <laughs> not in our good Christian suburbs. We don't we don't do anything like that. No, not at all. No, we're here for a good Christian time. Okay. <laughs> but I ended up really liking it, and I gave it four stars on Letterboxd and, and was really jazzed about it, and I put it on my favorites list. And anytime there's a post asking about underrated movies that maybe you haven't seen before or any sort of posts about teen movies, I always be sure to mention it because I think it's, it's a lot of fun. Now, is it like the most amazing teen movie ever made? No, but like it's still really interesting and it's a light and breezy watch. I mean, it's like an hour and 26 minutes, which for me, perfect length for a movie. No longer yes, my, is needed. My ADHD brain said, oh, this is absolutely perfect. Definitely one of the reasons why it's blessed. I also think it's very blessed. I love a good slice of life film. Like I love being dropped into this universe. I completely understand where these girls are coming from. I get everything. And it's just so entertaining to watch that it, like, it doesn't really miss a beat. Every minute is used well. And I love that. 100%. It's really, really great. Truly underrated. And speaking of underrated, we have to talk about our blessed movies of the week. So, Sky, what is your blessed movie of the week? So my blessed movie of the week is from 1992, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. It's Last of the Mohicans, which I had never seen before. I watched it to listen along to an episode of another podcast, and I went in thinking I was going to hate it, because I'm not really like a big war movie person. Like, that doesn't really excite me, but I thought this movie was absolutely blessed. I really enjoyed it, exceeded my expectations for sure. Daniel Day-Lewis is that bitch. (laughs) Star of the movie Nine and retired actor and cobbler Daniel Day-Lewis. Listen, you know I love the movie Nine. (laughs) Which I'm sure will be covered on this podcast against my wishes at some point. Shelby to love Nine. I'm going to tell her all the ways that movie is blessed. And that's a movie I have seen. And the only thing I remember is Stacey Ferguson telling us all to be Italian. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, like, the main thing. You also have Kate Hudson of Fabletics fame. Have you heard of her? Uh, Yeah, noted scammer Kate Hudson. She's on my fucking list. Yeah, she sings Cinema Italiano, and it's cinema, baby. (laughs) I swear to God, if somehow this podcast blows up and more than five people listen to it and Fabletics messages me again, I'm going to lose my (laughs) mind. Literally. I love Fabletics. I love Fabletics. Especially I, my local Fabletics store. I love you all. <laughs> Meanwhile, I tweeted, because the thing about Fabletics for people listening who do not understand the scam that is being pulled on the American people by Kate Hudson and Demi Lovato and Maddie Ziegler is that also Matt, Madeline Pesh from Riverdale. Don't think I forgot you, sweetie. I didn't. But like basically what they do is they give you a like a page full of outfits that are supposedly like curated just for you and you get a discounted rate. But when you go on the website initially and you don't have a membership, they tell you, well, if you have the VIP membership, 
then you'll get this discounted rate. So you sign up and then you put in your credit card information. You're like, I'm getting a steal. I'm getting these leggings for however much. And then they're Two like, for 24. Yeah. And then they're like, guess what, bitch? You thought wrong. If you forget to skip every single month, then we will charge your credit card and give you a store credit, whether you like it or not. And you can't get that money back. And then it's impo- it was like when I initially signed up, it was impossible to cancel the account. I'm also a flake in that I'm like, well, maybe I'll want workout clothes in the future. So like I don't cancel it. For sure. I've never personally bought online. I've only purchased in store and I have an alarm set every month to cancel. And now I text all my friends to do the same thing. Including me. But recently, I believe two months ago, um, I clicked the link to go skip and they put me in a virtual queue, which I was like, what the hell is going on here? What is this newfangled scam they have started to pull? And so I tweeted about it because I sat in the line, missed it. And then like it put me back in the line again and I tweeted about it and I was just basically like, if I ever see Penny Lane, I will swing at her. (laughs) And Fabletics proceeded to DM me and be like, um, I can't find any other order under your name. Um, it looks like it's been skipped though on the, on your main account. And I was like, yes, I skipped it. I finally got through to it. And I felt kind of bad at that point, but so anyway, Fabletics, if you're listening, I would I would love to, to please sponsor us, please, or just sponsor Sky. You don't have to sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Shelby, uh, what was your blessed movie of the week? My blessed movie of the week is a film from 1982, directed by Gillian Armstrong from the good old land of Australia called starstruck now i was going to do an accent but i didn't want to end up like uh jesse from little mix trying to do her jamaican accent so i thought better of it (laughs) but starstruck is very much in sort of like the mama mia universe of a film that you watch not because you're looking for this very deep thought-provoking film experience but because you're just looking to experience some joy and a little you know jazzy tune or two and it's just a lot of fun basically this woman in australia she wants to become a pop star and she's maybe a little quirky a little you know a little wild maybe likes to wear a kangaroo suit on stage i don't know oh mood for sure (laughs) and she initially sort of weirdly becomes famous because she like her and her cousin come up with this this whole stunt where she like walks on a tightrope topless but really she's just wearing like a breastplate um wow like india farah on season three of drag race and her 600 hundred dollar breastplate but and she slips and falls and it is like hanging on for dear life of course and people start to notice and so all the news reporters are are below watching the whole thing unfold and and then she basically tries to parlay all of this into like an actual music career and it's really interesting it's a lot of fun the music's interesting and it's very new wave and a little a little weird and and not a hundred percent opaque I'm not gonna say it's like the tenet of musicals but it's maybe the tenet of musicals (laughs) 
I will sue you. <laughs> I'm just glad when you first said starstruck to me, I thought you were talking about the 2010 Disney Channel original movie starring Sterling Knight, and I was like concerned for your safety. <laughs> but I'm so happy to know that it is a film from Australia. And do you want to know who a, a noted Australian is in like connection to our podcast today? <laughs> Who's Maya that? Mitchell. I oh my god, I completely forgot she's Australian. And she's, she's Disney. Australian. It was shocking when I went on her Wikipedia and found out that she was Australian, my jaw dropped. She has a great accent. She not only that, I was shocked to find out she is 27 years old. I thought she was yes. like 18, maybe, or 22. No, not 27. She looks so young. She really does she have a baby so face. And it's so funny next to yeah. Camilla, who is like very much like, like has like the face of like an older person, kind of like a Margot Robbie situation. Now, I'm not a Margot Robbie truther, so don't come for me. But like, like a Mar- Margot Robbie situation where it's like she looks so much older than she kind of is. Yeah, the fact that Camila is younger than Maya is pretty shocking. But I, when I found, I couldn't believe that she does such a good American accent. That is absolutely blessed. Congrats, Maya Mitchell, ex Disney star slash ex The Fosters. Um, famously, I watched many seasons because my friend forced me to when we lived <laughs> together. I have never seen a single episode of The Fosters. Um, wasn't okay. So no, wasn't Noah Centineo on it at some point? Um, great question. <laughs> the only thing I remember about the Fosters is Maya Mitchell and Jake T. Austin. Jake T. Austin, to, yes. I knew he was on there. We used to watch it after Teen Wolf every week. Oh my god. That was like wow, our, blast from the past. So uh that was that's the context for that. Um I was never sober while we watched either of those. <laughs> So um, Noah Centimeter could have been walking down the street, (laughs) would never have known it was him. Oh, no, not Noah Centimeter. No. I'm so sorry to Noah Centimeter, but I just, he's not for me. It's, yeah, totally understand. Not really my my cup of tea either. Um, But anyway, back to the, uh, the subject at hand. Uh, and Camila, Camila Marone is interesting because she's been acting for a while, but I don't think I've really seen anything she's been in besides this. Like when I found out that she was dating Leonardo DiCaprio, I only knew her as the girl dating Leonardo DiCaprio that had been Al Pacino's like stepdaughter, but not really because her mom and him weren't married. And, and like, yes. <laughs> So, like, I watched this movie knowing full well that she was Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend at the time. And I was like, this is interesting. Interesting. I, like, fully didn't expect her to be a very good actress. I don't know. I just, I didn't have really high expectations. But she, like, fully disappeared into the role for me, which I really liked. And I totally bought her as yes. this character. Now, does she have range? Couldn't tell you. But she was, she's good here. Right. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else, but I thought that she did such a great job in this, both her and my Mitchell and their chemistry together. You bought that they were friends slash whatever they are so well that it that's like what makes the film is their relationship. And they both did such a good job. A hundred percent. And they like they feel like actual teens they feel very real. Yes. You get the dynamic immediately from like the second that you see Maya Mitchell like 
drawing a dick on her face and yes I was like what that's like my first like my first note was like she drew a dick on her face exclamation mark love teens (laughs) and they're like sharing a bed together they live together and you never really get any backstory on you never get any backstory really at all on either one of their family their family life or their home life other than the fact that they both live with Jesse played by Camila's uh um Jesse's brother, who is like a Chet Hayes wannabe. Yeah, he also, uh, this will make more sense when Zola is released, but he has the same energy as Nicholas Braun and Zola. (laughs) That is. Oh, God. The idea of Greg the Egg, like, playing this part is very when i say that that's literally like what it is down to the chain and basketball shorts and wife beater like truly (laughs) of course it is i cannot wait for zola but the two of them are, are really really incredible and it's you just and you get several moments throughout the movie where you just get this clear idea of exactly how much they mean to each other and how they have this relationship that isn't just like friends it's it's best friends it's soulmates it's almost romantic in a lot of sense and and if both of them were the only people left on earth you you would 100 percent guarantee that they would be happy with that they would be okay they don't need anybody else and you have like moments like them holding hands in juvie like hitting each other in the face with bricks so that they can both get out of work i screamed and um when it's she the, like when Camila like wakes her up and she's like it's time for school and my mom's like I'm not in school and she's like well you're in luck you quit school but you have to go to work like I just loved them so much it's it's so great and what I love about this movie is that unlike a lot of movies that have like the teen best friend dynamic there's never really a moment where they have a rift Yes. It's like, yeah, like they get kind of frustrated with each other, especially because like Maya Mitchell's character is always escalating things and being like, yeah, let's try this. And is always just sort of like ready to like take it to the next level. But you never get like a moment where the two of them are completely just fed up with each other or done with each other. It's a very supportive friendship and and they're all in throughout all of the weirdness and all of the wild things that happen in this movie. Yes, and their relationship, like, reminded me of, like, the Florida Project. I feel like this is in the Florida Project cinematic universe. Like, it's, like, these two children, like, are so, such good friends that, like, nothing could tear them apart. And that's how I feel that uh, Maya Mitchell and Camila Marone's characters are in this 100%. movie as well. And, well, actually, it's funny you mentioned the Florida Project because I think, in a way, actually, this movie is really interesting because, obviously, poverty and the fact that they're poor is very much, like, a central thing of this movie. But I never got the sense that it's this weird, like, poverty porn sort of a thing. It's just sort of, like, like, her brother's trying to be a drug dealer. He's not good at it. He's really bad at it, if anything. And it's not, like, it's not a thing to evoke sympathy that they're living in this situation or anything like that. If anything, the sympathy being evoked is that, like, well, they just want to live fun lives. Like, they, they just want to get out of the house. They just want to go to the beach. Like, there's not, like, this really deep, upsetting sort of thing where you're like oh these poor girls living this sad life it's like no they're pretty content like they get around they they are able to just sort of deal with the circumstances that they've been dealt and it it never feels super exploitative it never feels like it's this weird intrusive 
this weird intrusive sort of presence unlike I think in Sean Baker's movies which definitely have been called out for that sort of a thing it's sort of just like the fact that they're poor is very much a part of the plot and is very much a part of how the plot gets driven rather than you know being like this really tragic characteristic of either one of the characters it's just sort of like yeah they're poor and that's like the reason why they're trying to save up money so they can go to Gavelston because they used up all their rent money right. to pay for the rooms. And this this feels more like a it's specifically trying to be an exploitation film. It's not like doing anything else. It feels more in the vein of Spring Breakers in that regard that it's like not trying to be anything. It's not trying to be an after school special about anything. It is just no. a slice of life that is heightened reality but also at the same time feels very grounded and you can absolutely understand that these people are real, which is why I think this movie is blessed. A hundred, a hundred percent. Also something I really like about this movie is that the way that the plot is sort of structured and like the story, because it's like you have this obvious overarching narrative of them wanting to go to Galveston for Camila's character, Jesse's 17th birthday And in the very beginning of the movie, Maya Mitchell's character, Angela, is like, hey, guess what? I have a surprise for you. I've got us these tickets to go to Gavelston. Not tickets. They're driving there. (laughs) I've got us these rooms uh, at Gavelston Uh, on the beach. She got like an Airbnb. Yeah, like an Airbnb situation. Um, For your 17th birthday, your 16th birthday really sucked. I'm going to treat you. And also, just letting you know, I used the rent money to do it, so... But it'll be fine. You know, we're just going to we're going to work extra shifts at the shitty diner that we work at. And yeah, and then we'll we'll get there. And then of course that that very simple, you know, point A to point B plot is then deeply complicated <laughs> by right. several sort of shenanigans and and tomfoolery and just all of these little vignettes that happen. And so it's really interesting because the plot is so simple, but yet you have all of these little moments and these little pit stops along the way that helped to sort of create a, a richer a richer portrait of the world that they live in the people that they interact with and who they are as people and it's it's just a really fun time I think um, yes also it's also important to note that I think the side characters 100% make this movie as well because they're very much tied into yes. that and you just have so many distinct random people that just show up that you know maybe only have a couple of lines but with those couple of lines you're like who is this person I want to know more and the way that this movie is written it's just it's so intriguing like you have like the lady next door who's yelling at them you have uh the co-worker who's like telling Jesse her weeds ready and to meet her in the bathroom and she's like I do not want to do that because he pissed in the middle of our drug deal and then like her brother's friends uh, Crystal, who's the their co-worker, who's the hostess at the diner, who actually, by the way, is Augustine Frizzle's daughter. Oh, I did not know that. I didn't know That's that either. Fun. So I thought that was fun. And she's really, really fun. She's really yeah. great. She's iconic. Like, I love Put her. her in everything. I, I adore her. Yes. I truly think that all of the side characters are doing so well to create this rich tapestry of different personalities that they interact with. 
that make this movie so interesting from start to finish. There's not a minute wasted where you're like, oh, I wish we were like with XYZ character instead of this because everyone holds their own right. 100%. And it's it's so funny too. They It's just, it's really, really great. It's so much fun. And at the end of the day, I think people, if they're going to have issues with this movie, it's that it's in the vein of like a book smart or like a super bad, but what if women? And I'm like, listen... The road to quote-unquote equality is paved with women being able to be in, in adequate, super bad-esque movies. You know Let us mean? have it. Let us have it. I also really love the soundtrack. It feels very yes. much like a Sundance movie. Like, there's a specific, like feeling when you go see a Sundance movie that's like oh this is like everyone has like the same sort of soundtrack that like projects you into this universe so fully and it like kind of like makes you like a little like everyone calls it like altitude high but like I live here so I don't really have an altitude high but the (laughs) soundtrack gives me that you know it just like brings me up there it's really great i love it i really like the intro song um when they're like getting ready for work and then i also really liked the final song at the very end where they're like on the beach and you just have like this vocalization and something about like the lights going down or something i don't know it's a really great song um i highly recommend checking out the soundtrack i don't believe that song is on it though which i found kind of shocking um I think it's called Lights, and it's by Zora, which is Z-H-O-R-A, if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly. Very, very good soundtrack. A lot of fun. Um, There's also a song by the actress who plays Crystal on the soundtrack as well, from my quick uh, perusal, my quick look through, my little looky-loo at the soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. Shout out to... Augustine Frizzle's daughter. (laughs) Now, before we move maybe a little bit more into plot, et cetera, et cetera, and maybe get a little more down and dirty. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) We also have to mention Kyle Mooney being in this movie because this is a conflicting thing for for us. Yes. Yes, this is uh, where we differ. It's uh, (laughs) this, this is it, baby. Um, I personally love Kyle Mooney. I find him so delightful. I had no opinion on Kyle Mooney, truly and honestly, until he appeared on the podcast called Podcast the Rides, Downtown Disney Ordeal, in which he got drunk with these hosts at a bar and talked about segments of Downtown Disney. And in that, he mentioned that one of his favorite memes, and he impersonated it many times, is Bradley Cooper as Rocket the Raccoon for the ride <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout in Disney California Adventure saying, my hands don't scan, yours do. <laughs> and when I tell you that that is my absolute favorite meme, I think about it every day, thousands of times. It, it like lives in my mind rent-free. So Kyle Mooney and I have that connection and I just, uh, I love him because of it. <laughs> I, on the other hand, find him to be um, interesting. Yeah, um, for sure. Okay, so like here, two, two, what is it? Two paths in a wood diverged or something? <laughs> I don't know. 
That's what's happening here. I'm taking the one less traveled or whatever. I feel like um, I'm taking the one less traveled. I don't know. I think a lot of people like Kyle Mooney. Maybe I'm wrong. Should I Google, like, is Kyle Mooney (laughs) Survey says. I don't know. For me, I just don't really find him that funny. And I just sort of, like, don't really get the shtick. And in this movie, I just find him obnoxious because the thing about it is is like yeah you have like this chet hayes sort of brother and like you have all of these heightened characters but there's something about him where it's like he's taking it like a step too far like he's almost too cartoony and it's like it just for me it should work but he's just a little he's just he's just pulling a little bit too much ham off that hawk you know just there there is one moment when he like realizes that he's the manager when they're like at the restaurant he like is like oh i can make you food and like that whole segment that was like "Mm, kyle mooney like i wish that i was just watching you impersonate bradley cooper right now so (laughs) oh my god yeah that whole bit at the end i was like um i know please please don't i don't want to see any of this thank you very much but he's also good at playing like a creep Right. But that like also when, uh, might just me think, like, might be me thinking he's creepy. <laughs> right. But he is good. Like, when they're, um, like, begging him and they're like, we'll show you one boob. And he's like, one boob each or one boob total. <laughs> like, it's so creepy and awful. And he plays it very well. And, like, negotiating it. But he's also, like, in this weird sort of, like, he, like, almost doesn't want to do it. It's, like, a yeah. weird conflicting feeling going on um but yeah it's he's interesting in this movie yeah for sure that's <laughs> our two roads diverged in yellowwood <laughs> and i took the one last travel by i tried to google if kyle mooney is popular and i couldn't figure it out so uh <laughs> let us know the internet let us down if there are any kyle mooney stands listening to this podcast please do not engage please do not add i'm sorry i'm just it's okay to not like people sometimes. Okay, it's okay. If you, if you would like to discuss uh, Rocket Raccoon saying, I don't have clearance, my hands don't scan, yours do with me, however, um, and Kyle Mooney's impersonation of that, feel free to at me. Kyle <laughs> Mooney stands. Okay, so for context for this movie, there's not a ton of context, there's not a ton of backstory. Uh, there's like no trivia page for this on IMDb. There's like two goofs. Which is shocking. Yeah, it, it is kind of shocking. And I think that just speaks to like how sort of underrated it is and how how this film just like hasn't had the reach of like a ton of other A24 movies. Um, but Augustine Frizzle, this is like her only movie she's directed. She has another one in the pipeline, which apparently is like a Netflix movie um that is a jojo moise moyes i don't know how you say that last name but yeah. you know like me before you the writer of that book it's it's another one of his books shailene woodley's in it felicity jones is in it uh joe alwyn mr taylor swift is in it mr taylor swift the last great american dynasty <laughs> he's not even he's isn't he british he's not he's, even he's american. british he's not american <laughs> Star of the favorite and Mary Queen of Scots, <laughs> Joe Alwyn. Also, star of Billy Lynn's. Uh, is it long halftime long, walk? Lot. It's it's a long halftime it's walk. A, How'd you forget? It's a it's fucking long, walk. Baby. It's a long one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long walk. Those frames per second, you know. But like, a long time. <laughs> but like reading the plot summary of this book, 
or the plot for the movie at least. It doesn't sound anything really like this. So I'm really curious to see what she does with it. Because the only other thing she has on her page is the fact that she directed the pilot for Euphoria, which makes a like so much sense. So much sense because that is such a similar vibe of this. Like this definitely does feel like the prequel to Euphoria. A hundred percent. And you can totally tell that uh, Sam Levinson like saw that, saw this movie and was like, oh, that woman. Yes. I want her to direct this pilot because she will be perfect for it. And I, she's really in her wheelhouse with the, with the edgy teens. She, she's absolutely blessed with directing movies about edgy teens. So we'll see how this next one goes where it's not about edgy teens (laughs) well i mean in a sense it is kind of about edgy teens because shailene woodley's in it and she was the titular secret life of an american teenager i'm suing you for bringing up (laughs) the secret life of the american teenager on our podcast i didn't sign up for that molly ringwald will not have her day Oh my god, I forgot she was even in that. Wow, Molly really needed a paycheck. She desperately needed a paycheck. You know what? Good for her. We don't judge. Just like the girls in this movie do not judge the sex worker looking for a good time, looking to get paid. I love that. I was like, yes, get paid. I live. Yeah, because like Maya Mitchell kind of was like, go talk to your mom, you know, like as a joke. And then Camila's character was like, you know what? Like, good for her. Like, if she's going man to man, she might as well get paid for it. She's got her own little enterprise going on, which I loved. I I truly think that, like, one of the blessed things about this movie is that both of them have, like, good intentions in the world. A hundred Like, they're yes. not there for evil. Like, my Mitchell's character is like, I want to do something nice for my best friend. Like, it's all, it just, they're so nice. I love it. And it's just funny because they get into so many situations because of the fact that they are teens who have, like, these specific ideas of how the world works and, like, all of their little plans, like, like their plans specifically to get the money at the end is, like, so convoluted. It is, like, something that only, like, a teen could come up with and they're, it's just, it's so great. It just feels so real. It, It, it's a really great example of a film where teens feel like teens. They don't feel like adults thinking oh this is what teens are like in a sense which i really really it appreciate feels it so much more authentic to the teen experience and i think that is blessed yeah and i feel like i couldn't like i could have known these girls in high school a hundred percent yes exactly now to go through the plot here we're just gonna break it down a little bit this movie like i said breezy hour 26 minutes so i'm sure we'll just breeze through this but to begin with of course both of our girls, Angela and Jesse, they are best friends. They're high school dropouts, and they are working as waitresses at a local diner. And in the very beginning, we are greeted, of course, with Maya Mitchell drawing a dick on Camila's face. And Incredible. the two of them essentially about to get ready for work. But before that, Angela reveals to Jesse that she has purchased a trip to Gavelston for them for her 17th birthday and they're both very very excited for it and of course she also reveals she used the rent money for it but to make up for this they're going to work extra hours at the restaurant to help make up for this money now sounds like a solid plan sounds like it's going to go well but 
Dustin, Jesse's older brother, who they live with, who shares a room with Kyle Mooney, <laughs> uh, spends his part of the rent in a failed drug deal, essentially, with his two friends. So <laughs> because of that, nobody has any rent money. And basically what happens is that the drug deal goes bad, the money gets stolen, and then one of Dustin's friends, um, I can't remember his name specifically. Tony. Uh, Tony, yes, played by Kendall Smith, uh, shows up with, I believe his brother, is it ever specified, or is he just... Yes. Okay. I, I assumed it was his brother. I think they said it, but uh, they come to rob the house uh, and get their money back. And it's just Angela and Jesse when they get to the house... And so they just start taking things. And what they take is like one of those old TVs that is probably worth $4. Gigantic. It's gigantic. They also, my favorite part of this also is when they take the Nintendo 64. And she goes, no, yes. that's my PlayStation. And it's not a PlayStation at all. It Also, the Beaches DVD. Oh, my God. I forgot about me. that. I laughed out loud. Because yeah. they're like, they're like. <laughs> they're like, they're don't like, take Beaches. They both look and they go, beaches, and then they high five. And it's just, <laughs> it's such a random movie for them to be so psyched about. And I absolutely love that. After that, I was like, you know what? Take their stuff. Good for you. Yeah. Get your copy of Beaches. I was like, I've never seen Beaches before. No, um, I haven't either. But <laughs> I, it's an Alan Payne original, but I've never seen it. But <laughs> I, these people cared about it so much that I was like, fuck, do I need to watch Beaches? <laughs> Yeah, so they, of course, end up getting into this confrontation with them where they're like, yeah, take that shitty TV, take it, whatever. And the cops ended up getting called, I believe probably by the neighbor who we see in the very beginning of the movie, who's like yelling at them that there are dirty, that they're dirty girls and that yes. they need to mow their grass. This is another side character that is like so random and like just makes like two appearances and then it's never heard from again, but is like so compelling to me. Absolutely compelling because you know exactly the type she is. Like you, you know who she is in your life. Yeah. She's like fed up with these girls. Maybe she doesn't mind her own business. She's maybe like the neighborhood snitch, like a hundred percent. And because of this, the cops end up coming and there's this like whole thing where they're talking, like they're trying to, the brother and Kyle Mooney are sort of trying to talk around the fact that like Dustin's a drug dealer and there's this like weird thing where it's like what it what is even said it's like something about like because he says something about like hooking up with his friends yeah and he's he's like are you a homosexual like the cop asks him if he is a quote homosexual and he what is happening what is going on and then the brother is like I love homosexuals and then he's like, love is love. You know, like very like Macklemore. It's like, what is happening here? And then very uh, Dan, what's his name from Imagine Dragons. Oh, my God. And, uh, <laughs> love Loud Festival starring the Property Brothers. <laughs> Not the Property Brothers. They really were there. Oh, Lord. Uh, and, and, and of course, like the cop that ends up ends up saying that he's gay i don't know this is a bit that i didn't particularly love like the rest the rest of this whole exchange and scene is fine but it's like this particular bit yes, didn't work that part that i was like this seems 
like they like wrote this and they were like okay i'll like come back to this and like fix this and they never did yeah or like they had like a lot like they like wrote it down as a bit and they're like oh this will be funny we need to put it somewhere and then they just like shoved it into the scene like it didn't really make sense the only part of that exchange aside from like the brother being like not that there's anything wrong with that love is love or whatever is when kyle mooney was like yeah like what's his name and like (laughs) like middle school or something it's just when really he was asking him specifically about if he knew uh tony or like yeah that's what it was it was like if he knew tony or something and (laughs) the officer then immediately starts perusing the house because if he's like well if you're not drug dealers then surely there should be no problems right so let me look around your house and immediately goes into the girls rooms and asks them what they're doing with a gigantic pane of glass which i found really funny because i think the most obvious thing is the bong sitting on top of the pane of glass right but he's like oh no 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 there's something more here and we get a really incredible flashback of them like racing doing lines and i <laughs> I was like, this is perfect. And and being like very like hyped up and being like, you smell, you smell so nice. You're so pretty. Do you want to make out? Like, yes. <laughs> just a really, really nice, like funny little flashback that I liked. And the cop ends up like running his fingers through the Coke residue and then rubbing it on his gums, which seems unprofessional to me. But what I do like, I know? Sir, again, all cops are bastards. And I guess this one also is terrible (laughs) just but anyway so the girls end up getting put into juvie because of this and not a ton which first of all when 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 jesse is trying to make a phone call and she says what the fuck is a collect call (laughs) i felt very old (laughs) I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> like, nobody knows what that is now. Like, the teens don't know. <laughs> and, like, the two of them are, like, worrying about whether or not they'll still have their jobs. Because, like, that's the whole thing is that they need their jobs so badly. And we get a little glimpse of, like, what their job is like prior to this. Because they do. They go in and, and we see them waiting tables and and working with terrible customers like the little boy pouring the syrup onto her shoes i literally in my notes just wrote covid anxiety exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark an absolute nightmare and like the the mom like like scolding the kid but not really and he's still like being a little shithead yeah and like them sort of like you and you get that like sort of setup of them and and crystal and like the antagonism between them and like the the fact that like she wants you know she's better at her job or she's better at the job than they are and she's you know very much committed to the job and she just loves to like to get under their skin and and to talk shit at them and it's a lot of fun but they also of course uh they're in that cell or they're in that holding cell and they're like talking to each other and then you get like that wide shot like or that like reveal reverse shot of the yeah of the, the other girl reveal of the girl was i laughed so hard giving them the finger i love that so much and they end up spending i believe 48 hours in juvie and yeah. they're like holding hands 
even though they're in the cells next to each other and eventually they get they get uh released and are picked up by dustin and, and his Tony. yes and his his friend tony they've made up they're all good everything's fine of course they're mad about that because they're like what the hell the dude stole our old ass tv got us arrested like all of this is his fault none of this would have happened yes and it's at this point also that we start to learn that after spending the two days there jesse is suffering from some serious constipation which i was like is this gonna like i was like this is a strange thing to include and then uh that ends up being like a very large plot point (laughs) it's it's uh, a really interesting plot point and it's it's something that <laughs> I'm glad is actually part of this movie. I think it's just like yeah, such same. it's a lot of fun and it's also very relatable because I think we've all been there. Maybe not exactly where she ends up, but we've all been there where it's but, like, like the concept for sure. Yeah. Like and you, also her every time she gets like more and more frustrated, like when they get back to the house and they realize like the water has been turned off and like no one has refilled the water for the Brita. Like I was like, that's me getting mad at myself every day that I forget to fill the Brita because I live alone. Like I get it. Like <laughs> I get just being so frustrated with everything when everything is just piling up one after another 100% and like her like ripping like the paper towel shreds off the roll as if that will do anything for her like I've been there been there before (laughs) I feel you girl it's it's like very you know exactly how she's feeling in that moment and you feel so bad for her and (laughs) and like I love that that comes back I love that that's very much like a motivator for her to like to figure her shit out literally yes, and to end that and because of that they end up going to the supermarket and first of all you get this really fun like shot of them like entering the supermarket and this like angelic music is playing and like the wind from the air conditioner is just like blowing in their face and they're just in pure bliss and it's the picture that's on the poster specifically yeah that's what that the cinematography in this movie is blessed it is and I love the coloring of this film as well. Yes. I know that like some people won't like it, but I like the Spring Breakers-esque quality to it. Same. I really like it too. I think it looks really nice. It looks really good. And uh, it's, but this, this shot in particular is a lot of fun just because it's like, we've all been there. You've been out in the yeah. heat and then you step inside a cold ass place, like a grocery store. And it's like, you've have this sense of, of euphoria and rejuvenation. <laughs> yeah. And it's truly amazing. And at this point, they're going to the supermarket. They're trying to pick up some prunes because to quote, to quote Angela, prunes fix everything. <laughs> and, and Jesse says something like, no, they don't or something like that. She's like, that's not at all true, which I love. I love that that was her response. And while they're picking up the prunes, this this character that I hate, I hate him so much, is so gross. Oh, God. The this, worst. This, I hate him so much. This old man walks by and is like, I saw that, you little thief, because they're picking them up and they're like, you know, sampling a little bit of the prunes, sampling a little bit of the merchandise. And he did not like that. And thus begins 
a conflict with this character. He's this old man. He's freaky. I, I do not like this man. And it's so funny because I completely forgot about him for some reason, even though he plays a really major part in the end. And it's like, yeah, I come back and I'm watching this and I see him and I immediately had such a visceral reaction to him. It's like they could not have picked the like a weirder old man to play this part. He's just absolutely. And I, I when I first like saw that bit in the grocery store, I was like, oh, I love like this is like another character, like the woman, like the neighbor from the beginning, like just going to yell at these girls and like move on. And, and like it moves on pretty quickly. And like you feel like because it goes when these girls are like trying to like call out of work and they like chug all of that milk to make themselves vomit, <laughs> which I was like, holy shit, they share half a brain cell, but somehow like they're getting stuff done. <laughs> and I, when he comes back at the end, I was like fully shocked. I gasped. And I think part of my like, my like, ugh, is because of the fact that like what happens in the end is so gross that it's like, I cannot help but connect it to this old yeah. man. Like, I'm sure the actor is a lovely person, but I just have such a visceral reaction to his face and to his presence in this movie. And it's deeply upsetting upon rewatch. <laughs> and yes. he, he basically, you know, m- uh, Angela wants to address him. Jesse's like, leave it alone. Don't even do it. But of course, Angela runs up to him and they get into this argument, this verbal conflict. And he basically says that they're dressed like whores. And Maya Mitchell delivers this really great little monologue that's just her calling him a bunch of insults that are really incredible. Um, I didn't write all of it down because it's it's uh, truly uh, something else, and I'm pretty sure that this podcast would get taken out of the, out of the app or out of like the Apple Podcast app uh, if I repeated everything that was said. But my favorite um, in particular were her saying that he was a... Uh, Woody Allen looking dick face jizz mop. Incredible. Also, if Call Your Daddy can exist as a podcast, we can say whatever the fuck we want. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) If Barstool Sports fucking exists, I can say whatever I want. (laughs) You have a point, my friend. You have a very, very valid point. Um... Welcome to uh, Call Her Daddy Talk. Where we, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what if we just started recapping Call Her Daddy? It's just, no longer movie. I have I never, never listened. No, same. But not I, at all. I know it from TikTok, like all the drama. That's what I know it from. Um, yeah. I just know it's about sex. That's what I know. <laughs> I mean, if you really get down to it, isn't everything about sex? That's true. <laughs> very true which by the way saying that i'm just reminded of this has nothing to do with absolutely anything but in happy feet when in the intro when they're playing all the music where they're like singing all the songs to gloria the penguin played by nicole kidman and somebody comes up and goes let's talk about eggs baby i remember when i cried during happy feet too (laughs) Okay, but like that was an, an emotional journey. Why would you not cry during Happy Feet too? Um, so like listeners, let us know if you also cried during Happy Feet too. Um, I I need to feel less alone because I don't cry usually. 
but I cried at Happy Feet too. Maybe I'll cry at Call Her Daddy. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. But listen, Brad Pitt and Matt Damon played a gay krill couple, like an explicitly gay krill couple. And Hell they, yeah, they did. And spoiler alert for Happy Feet too, but like they have like a breakup and then they get back together. So it's emotional for everyone. Heartbreaking. It was truly heart-wrenching. Um, I feel... Like the only way George Miller could have written Happy Feet Two if he it was if he had taken a lot of edibles, um, which is what Angela <laughs> and Jesse did. Well, and yeah, that's my segue. Yes, yes, yes. It's great. So before we get to the edible stuff, we do get like this little scene of uh, Dustin and Ryan and Tony trying to figure out what to do to make money back after losing it in their drug deal that went wrong and this is where it's just this little like side scene where it's like like uh andrew is like we should dance to make money yes and like they're like dancing and they're like showing off like their dance moves and like Tony is like, you call that dancing. He's like, I'll show you. And he starts like breaking it down. And they're like, just like having like a dance off in the middle of this movie. <laughs> and and then like they start doing that like, uh, that like, uh, what is that? Like grind on me dance where it's like the, yes. they're like thrusting against the floor basically. Like they're like doing the worm, but like sexual. <laughs> it's so funny. And, and he says, like, I think Dustin says, impregnate the ground. <laughs> when he Dream said this. that, I, that was when I was like, oh, yeah, this is Nicholas, Braun, and Zola energy. Absolutely. <laughs> and Dustin's, or not Dustin, Andrew is like, I've been taking dance classes since, or hip hop classes since I was six years old. So basically he should know what he's talking about, right? <laughs> Which he's, he's an interesting character to me, or like too, because earlier in the movie, he it's established that he comes from money, but like his parents cut him off or whatever, or his dad cut him off, so he doesn't get an allowance anymore. Oh, sorry. Amazing. Wait, no, sorry. Um, but early in the movie, it's established that uh, he comes from money. His dad's rich. His dad pays for everything because. Like, of course, when they mention wanting to go to Galveston, he's like, why don't you go to Destin? Galveston's a piece of shit. And yes. they're like, we don't have a rich daddy to, like, pay for a trip to, to Florida. And he's like, my dad cut me off. I got to work for my allowance. Which. <laughs> like a fucking adult, dude. Me. Truly kills me. Like, and, you're a full grown adult. And it's at this point, though, after the supermarket incident, they end up running into their friend, Paul, who is like, hey, are you going to this party that's happening at Art Dog's house? And they're like, well, no, we got to work and, and all of this. And Angela's like, no, we, we could go to the party. We could totally go. But he's like, yeah, you can come along. Because also in all of this, they're also trying to wash their uniforms because they stink really, really badly. And so he's like, yeah, come to Art Dogs. We're having the party. You can wash your stuff in his washing machine. So this moment introduces a new sort of conflict and that they have to try and get through this party without getting absolutely fucked up. <laughs> that is the goal. Which they they can't have fun at the party. Harder than it seems, baby. Oh, yeah. And she's, <laughs> I believe Jesse's like, oh, like, how am I going to be able to get sober? 
or how am I going to be able to stay sober during all of this? And she's like, just say no, just say no. <laughs> she's like, just refuse it. We're going to refuse the drugs. And they go to this party and there are several moments where it's like, they're having a good time. There's maybe a drink in the hand. Like somebody's offering, I think at one point somebody offers like Coke and like, Camila yeah. Marone like reaches over to like take a sniff and she's like no 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 we can't it's very good very very good and along with the washing machine which they do end up getting access to they're also hungry and so <laughs> it's at this point they reach into the mini fridge and they see a plastic container full of cookies that says do not eat and what do they do? They eat it. And of course, this is the moment where Art Dog reveals to them that those are his weed cookies. Those are his edibles. And that dun, the, dun, dun. the weed butter will fuck you up. <laughs> and I, you can just like see the look of like absolute horror on their face when they realize how many edibles they have taken. And you're like, oh, shit, they're fucked. (laughs) And it's like, they fully opened that container knowing that it said, do not eat. So I don't know what they expected. (laughs) But these scenes where they're high are really iconic because at this point, this is when they have to go to work. And right before they go to work, they end up dropping their clothes into a puddle of beer because their friend Paul scares them by jumping out from like behind a wall or something or like entering the doorway and so they're pissed about that they smell like beer there's a really incredible shot of them looking so sweaty they're like i can feel the humidity and like the heat radiating off of their bodies so viscerally it was i'm so blessed i loved it so much it was absolutely just iconic i fully love that it it reminded me of kristen wig and bridesmaids after she's like after they've eaten the food and rose burn is like oh like it was like she's like oh are you feeling sick she's like no actually i'm hungry and so she gives her an almond and she like just the way that she's like trying to eat that almond and she's so sweaty and she's so disgusted she's so ready to throw up it's just a really iconic moment and I think about it a lot and that's 100% what this scene reminded me of because they're like yeah I don't feel anything I feel great and then cut to them super sweaty getting off the bus Yes. And when the like the music when they're like really high in the diner and those shots are like moving so slowly around them is so good. I it was I was like eating it up. It was yeah, really really funny, really iconic. And they end up entering the diner and they end up talking to Crystal, who of course understandably is like, "Oh, you guys came to get your jobs back?" Because while they were in juvie, they weren't able to go to work. So it's pretty understandable that they would likely lose out on their jobs. And so the whole point was that they were going to go to work. They were going to get their jobs back. Of course, they end up getting high as hell. They show up. And <laughs> Crystal basically calls them out. She's like, oh, this is this is hilarious. Uh, I'm going to go get Roderick, their boss. And I love, <laughs> I love when they're like, oh, shit, she knows. How did she know? <laughs> And, it's and 
so good. And Maya Mitchell saying this like whole thing about how like usually people don't know that she's high when she's high, but this time she is high and she knows that they're high. <laughs> it's just yeah. this really like really great acting from both of them. It's so funny. It's I think my favorite sequence in the movie. And of course, right before they talk to Roderick, that's when you get the pancake stuff and you just get them both longing, like gazing at these pancakes and you get the Michael Bolton just blaring over these shots of these pancakes on the plates of like kids who have gone to prom. And it's so beautifully done. So beautiful. It fully captures the way that I feel about pancakes in my regular life. (laughs) That was like a really weird (laughs) statement. I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) But it's just, and it's, really great the way that it like does like a hard cut on it too like the music hard cut hard cut away from the shot of the pancakes and it does it several times like the music just keeps coming up like when they're walking through the kitchen to get to the office and it's just such a great use of music it's so funny and that and then the song at the very end I think just absolutely kill me it's like if I were a filmmaker if I were making movies I would absolutely find a way to put in music like this into my movie it's just they're just the perfect comedic songs like they're iconic songs on their own but when used in a context like this where it's kind of totally inappropriate it's just it's so funny and it's I think some of the funniest work in this movie right and then it makes like when they go to talk to their boss and he fires them it makes that even more like sad because you just like had this like very much like a high euphoric moment in this diner and then it comes crashing down so quickly and you like see them on the bus being very depressed and you feel so much for them because their lives suck at this point like that really is awful and they just nothing goes their way really yeah and I love also in that scene of them like talking about like screensavers and how (laughs) and how like this these like beautiful like tropical screensavers in a place that's as depressing as where they work are like so wrong and like you need you need like these really depressing images instead that like fit the scenery and I love that they're having this whole entire conversation and then at some point one of them says you know that they wonder if Roderick believed them when they said that they weren't high and then you get the cut to him and he's like I'm here (laughs) yeah so good and I also what I love about this character because Roderick's actually really like a fun little character in that he's their boss, you know, and they've, they've done a lot of shit. They've clearly pulled a ton of shit in order to try and keep their jobs and to get out of trouble. And he fully is like, I like you guys. I don't want to fire you, but I have to because you're a liability for me and I can't have you around. But I love that he so genuinely is like, I like you guys. I think you're funny. I think you're entertaining and I like having you around, but I just can't. Like, I, I love that he actually genuinely yes. is supportive of them. I know. It's so great. And then you get them kind of, like, at rock bottom. So this is when they go to Kyle Mooney's place of work and is like, let us take some money from the cash register if we show you our boobs. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, so this is, like, where we get into kind of, like, the third act of this movie where they're – They've lost their jobs. They don't have rent money. They've told Dustin they don't have their portion of the rent money and that 
So because of that, they can't give their portion of the rent money to him and he can't give his portion of the rent money to them. So nobody has any money. So they come up with this idea of convincing Brandon, the roommate played by Kyle Mooney, as you mentioned, uh, to take the money from the cash register at this sub shop. And then he's going to tell the police that they were robbed, which this, like, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, this is very much a plot that like a teenager would come up with and would yeah. think would work. And he doesn't like this idea, but he ends up accepting this idea because they're like, yeah, well, we'll have a threesome with you. And they're just absolutely disgusted the entire time that they're saying this is like, they can't even get it out because of like how disgusted they are by this thought. And it's, at this point where they negotiate the boob stuff where then you end up seeing Dustin and his buddies bust in trying to rob the place as well, trying to steal the money. Not disguised well at all, which makes it very funny. No. And it's, it's so funny that not only did they both come up with this plot further proving that they all share one brain cell. <laughs> yes. But the fact that like they just straight up ask him for the money and then Dustin comes up with this whole scheme of like, oh yeah, we're going to like, it's he's not going to know it's us. You know, yeah, he's my roommate, but like we need the money, et cetera, et cetera. And he just shows up with like pantyhose over his head. And the fact that Kyle Mooney can't recognize the person he shares a bedroom and or bed with. Incredible. <laughs> And when he's like, do you have a robber's bag? <laughs> that, I was like, that's good, Kyle Mooney. I was like, good job on that one. That's, yeah, that's like peak Kyle Mooney dialogue. I really like that moment. Um, and, of course, the girls end up recognizing Dustin immediately. And are like, what the fuck are you doing? And this is when everybody sort of admits, yeah, we don't have enough money to pay for rent. And the boys end up leaving. And it's at this point where Brandon admits that there's only $50 in the register to begin with. So all of the money that they would need for this scenario to work out is in the safe. But he does not have the key for this safe. And it's at this point where a creepy old man from the grocery store ends up coming back into play. Because who should be his boss but the creepy old man from the grocery store? I when I say my jaw dropped, I did not expect this at all. I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" The sixth sense shaking. It and then this man. Oh God! It's it's like Kyle Kyle Mooney, get the fuck out of here. The girls are hiding in a closet and can't get out. (laughs) Can't get out, and of course, this is also the point. Where Jesse being constipated comes back into play as well. And also where the call her daddy warning on this podcast episode (laughs) comes into play. Because from the closet, they see this old man take out his dick and make a sandwich (laughs) and squeeze condiments on it. And you know what? Timothy Chalamet is shaking. No, 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 no. Don't invoke the peach on my podcast. No, not in this context. Everyone should eat the peach. That's my uh, good Christian (laughs) belief. What's even worse is that, like, 
I think in the context of like the 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 dick sandwich and the peach, mm-hmm. I I think I'd prefer the peach. Oh, I mean, like yeah, th- eat the peach again in my good. Not even to summer. eat it, but to just the thought of the peach, the thought of the peach versus versus the old man yeah. dick sandwiches. I feel the old man dick sandwich. I don't see how that could be very pleasing, but I don't have an old man dick, so uh, <laughs> who's to say? <laughs> Not only that, it's like, it's, it, the idea is that he is sending these pictures of the sandwich, the man meat sandwich, to put it gently, uh, to another woman that is not his wife who we saw in the grocery store. And I'm and like, when I say who wants to receive that? First of all, who is texting this man? Did he meet somebody at ourtime.com? What's the deal here? Is it a seeking arrangement? Like, I have some questions. If it's seeking arrangement, girl, get your cash. I respect it. But the dick condiment sandwich makes me scared. How much money can a man who runs a sub shop possibly have, I wonder? Because this sub shop doesn't exactly seem to be like, you know, doing gangbusters or anything like that. It's just like an average sub shop. But who knows? You know, I also have to wonder um, why putting it in a sandwich uh, was the move. Who does that appeal to? Who's interested in that? Was this an experiment in uh, dick pic photography? Um, I have a lot of questions, and a lot of them I don't think I want answered. Yeah, absolutely. And it's at this point where the girls are in the closet staring at him doing this, and Angela is like, I I can't do it anymore, and she starts to shit herself. <laughs> or Jesse starts to shit herself, and Angela is like, I'm going to vomit everywhere because this is absolutely disgusting. And she's a great friend, though, because she's like, let me pull down your pants so you don't shit yourself in this closet. Yeah. Truly a real one. And and she just starts shitting in a bucket. And Mandy by Barry Manilow starts playing over it in a beautiful needle drop that I think <laughs> cannot yeah. be replicated. It's just too genius. There's just something about hearing Barry Manilow when you do not expect it, you know, over the image of a woman that literally shitting it. her brains out into a bucket. Just truly, wow. High art, honestly. Yeah. And, and then they eventually get caught. He finds them in the closet and Angela vomits it, everywhere on him. Yeah, because it's like Angela is so disgusted by the smell. She can't take it anymore. So she bursts out of the room. The old man freaks out. She vomits on him. He passes out. They think he's dead. But uh, she literally says, I puked him to death. I puked him to death. Line. Yes. And. It's at this point where they realize that, like, oh, he's been sexting a woman who's not his wife with the disgusting dick sandwich pictures. <laughs> and they're like, you know what? We're going to blackmail him. Because they also have the key to the safe now because he's there. And so they end up getting the money out of the safe. They have a ton of... And they end up making off with it, and and it's enough to basically start a new life or leave town for a little bit. And they end up texting his wife what the deal is with the old dick sandwich here. Incredible. I love that energy. 
and I love them deciding to like open up the safe and take the money. I love it. I love it. As Iggy Azalea once said, open up the safe. Bitches got a lot to say. <laughs> so anyway, um... no comment on the the um, the. Uh... Uh, I was trying to think of, you know, an insult, but I realized that the Iggy Azalea of Australia is... Iggy Azalea. It's, it's adequate. I mean, it, it's a descriptor and almost an insult in a sense. Yeah, for sure. So it's at this point that they... Which, it's so funny to me because, like, it isn't a ton of money that's in the safe, but to them, this is, like, a holy grail. And it has the same energy to me as, like, the end of Uncut Gems, which I loved. Like, yes. I love seeing women win. Love seeing a woman win. Love that. Despite horrifying circumstances, you yeah. love to see it. I And it's the same sort of euphoric feeling of watching Julia Fox run out of that casino and watching the two of them run out of that sub shop after uh, shitting and vomiting all over the place <laughs> in true fashion. So good. Um, and it's just really great. And, and they start discussing what they're going to do next and, and where they're going to go and, and what the move for them is. And they, they decide to basically leave enough money to help pay the rent and then they take the rest and want to go to California to start a new life. And you just get this really lovely shot of them together in their bed talking to each other about their future plans and everything they're going to do. And it all comes back to wanting to see dolphins and eating donuts on the beach and smoking weed on the beach, which I really love that they they have that in mind as like their ideal fantasy and yeah it's just like small little things that like are so evocative of like a certain feeling that you completely understand where they're coming from and it's just really lovely that like that to them is so exciting just like getting to be on the beach is is everything they want they just want to get out of town for a little bit and they end up falling asleep and then we get a scene of the two of them having an having a nice little romp on the beach a pure romp and it. it's really lovely i also have to question is that a fantasy sequence or is that the real thing? I I also had that question and I was like, does it really matter? Because the feeling that it gives me is so euphoric that even if it's their dream and like maybe they'll get it down the road, it's like their happiness in the moment of even thinking about it is so palpable. Yes. And you know what? I, the inception, I said the tenet. Wait, no, what did I say was the tenet? Oh, I said Starstruck was the tenet of musicals. Yeah. The, so Starstruck is the tenet of musicals. This is the inception of teen movies. Yeah. Because... I'll take it. Does the top fall at the end? Who's to say? Who's to say? You know? Who's, who's, who's to dictate? Who's to decide that? Not Mr. Christopher Nolan. That's for damn sure. A hundred percent. But that's that's literally everything in this movie. And we just flew through that. I mean, that movie truly is a quick watch. It's, I think, a hundred percent worth just a little watch. You know, maybe on a Thursday night after work, you got nothing better to do. I think it's a really good time. Um, it's it's just mindless fun entertainment. And it's it's just purely, I think, the definition of just a good time. Yes. And that's why it's so blessed because it 
doesn't like require you to like really overthink about anything. You're just dropped in this universe. You're experiencing these things with these people, feeling for them, understanding where they're coming from. And you just are left with a very good feeling at the end of it. Yes. An overall net positive experience. Yes. Now, would it be an overall net positive experience if Danny DeVito played the creepy old guy? Okay, first of all, I have seen Danny DeVito in several compromising positions from watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. And I have to say, as disturbing as those sequences oftentimes are, such as like him being fully naked and lubed up with hand sanitizer in an attempt to be, quote, pure, um, I have to say I almost don't want to imagine him in the part of the old man because I don't think I would be able to look at him the same way. Now, could he play this part? Absolutely. It would make sense. And actually, it would be kind of funny to see a tiny old man yelling at these two girls. But I think what would be more compelling is if he replaced either the brother figure... Or, bear with me here, he replaced Camila Marone. (laughs) (laughs) Just Danny DeVito shitting himself in a I mean... Danny DeVito being emotional about a Beaches DVD. (laughs) Danny DeVito hearing Michael Bolton in his head as he looks at pancakes. I mean, I think I just made comedy gold right there. I think I really just gave this yeah. film a new a new life, a new meaning. Yeah, I, I want a remake. Let's do it. 100%. Also, Danny DeVito in Beaches, which I've never seen. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a single thing about Beaches. I just know that... Uh, about Beaches? I don't know. I think they maybe go to a beach. Like, maybe that's, like, the defining thing in their friendship is that they, like, met on a beach. They, like, go to a beach, you know? And is that why the girls are so obsessed with beaches? Because they just want to go to the beach? Maybe. And then, like, they, like, I I think one of them dies. Isn't that it? Like, one of them dies. Or Midler is in this movie. Yes, wow. Wing Beneath My Wings. That's where it comes I... from. Wasn't there, like, a remake with, like, Adina Menzel or something? Wow, yes, you're correct. There is a 2017 remake uh, on Lifetime, so I don't think that that's My brain, be. wow. Yeah. Who else is in that movie with Bette Midler? Um, Barbara Hershey, John Hurst, yes. Golden yes, 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 yes. Barbara Hershey, yes, I knew that. Okay, yes. And that's, yeah, that's Wind Beneath My Wings, and then she ends up, dying i don't know who she is but one of them ends up dying i think one that's the thing or gets wow. sick or something right is that the I thing guess one i i have no idea i guess one day we're gonna have to watch beaches okay wait i just had a thought for a future segment like one of us like we pick a movie we haven't seen and we have to just guess what the plot of the movie oh, is. yeah that's fun i'm really stupid but also very creative so let's do it <laughs> Not for this episode, but we'll 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 try and crack the code on another one for one of our next episodes. But yes, that was me trying to determine the plot of Beaches. Could you give me a little read of the summary of Beaches? Yeah, let me pull it up. Just like a little blurb, <laughs> just like a little taste. 
Wow, she performs on Broad. It's about Broadway. What? Singing Telegram Broadway. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wait. Um. Oh. Oh. Yes. Uh. Somebody dies. Somebody has a viral cardiomyopathy and oh she's my a God. heart transplant. No. Um, and she has a rare tissue type, so she's most likely going to die before a heart is found, and then she does die. What the hell? She dies at the beach house. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh no, oh no, oh no. How sad. Oh no. Terrible. Wow. I have, I have so many questions for my father now. <laughs> oh my god. But that was beaches. <laughs> I also want to, I just, I also had this thought. I found this article that has a full timeline of uh, Camila Marone and Leonardo DiCaprio's relationship. I'm not going to read the whole thing. She only has two years left. She's she's almost she's, 25. Yeah, I know. And I'm a year away from the end of my timeline. So, like, TikTok bitch, right? You know, I got to... Yeah, you... you got to slide in there, right? I do that. I am too old for Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. And, like, literally you go through this thing. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's truly just, like, m- like mundane BS. But it's just bonkers because it's, like, dece- like literally, it's just these these headlines from Harper Bazaar just condensed into one article. And it's, like, December 2017, Leo and Camila, Camila are rumored to be dating. A report from Us Weekly revealed that the two were, quote, hooking up, unquote. And then... A picture of her skiing. January 2018, Leo and Camila have a snowy vacation in Colorado. Fellow actor and friend Toby McGuire was also present along with his two kids. And then... I... It's like, then they have a PDA moment in Los Angeles in March 2018. And then it's like, Marone held her boyfriend's arm in a rare display of PDA. No picture attached. How dare you? The rare display of PDA, and you don't even show us? November 2018, they make a rare public appearance, and they went to, like, a a football game in Paris. That's, like, that's, like, it. They went to Coachella. They went to the Cannes Film Festival. And it was at the coveted film festival that DiCaprio became a viral meme is included for some reason. But I don't know what meme they're talking about. I have to click through. Is it the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood one where he's like pointing at the TV? No, it's literally a meme that does not exist. It is a, it's him taking a picture of her doing a very ridiculous pose. And it's like a, a one tweet does not make a meme, Harper's Bazaar. Calm down. And then I she love- like, then she addressed the relationship in July 2019. Uh, she has this Instagram post that, quote, alludes to the relationship. Posting a photo of Hollywood couple Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart, who had a 25-year age gap, Marone simply captioned the flick, a love like this. And then she later addressed the critics on Instagram, writing, my God, people are just so mean and full of anger with people they know nothing about. I guess I just hope on this Friday that people learn to live with a little less hatred and place their time and interest elsewhere because living with that hatred feels pretty good. And she had like a whole video. October 2019, Camila thinks Leo is more than an Instagram boyfriend. In June 2020, he then celebrated her 23rd birthday. And that's like the last public um oh sorry i lied because guess what in late june 2020 they head out for a low-key sushi date 
And then don't forget that she was photographed in Yellowstone. And I just assume that he was her Instagram husband taking pictures. There is literally a picture of her underwater going scuba diving. And I sent this to you. And it's like some man's hand is in the picture. It's a picture of her. There's a man's hand in the picture. This person is clearly taking the picture of her. And of course, all the comments are like, is that Leo's hand? <laughs> I need to do like a hand analysis. Impeccable. I need to like look up pictures Someone of his hand. Someone called the U.S. Weekly uh, like analysis, like the body language analysis people. <laughs> maybe, maybe one of them won't know. What does this hand tell you about their relationship? How are they doing? However, I also hate to burst everyone's bubble because there was also a picture then from that same trip of her and an older man in the water. And clearly he's like a, like a diving instructor, instructor or like some sort of person that's not Leo. <laughs> an old man that's not Leo, basically. It's truly incredible. Um, Camila, I hope your next two years of dating Leo are really fun for you. Are really blissful. And then, you know what? I hope you you thrive in your career afterwards. You know what? I hope you are able to succeed and to enjoy a nice, fruitful acting career. Um, Love that for you. I would love that for her. Because you know what? Why not? I I truly thoroughly enjoyed her in this film. She's I was like, really you know great. what, Camila, have a career. I hope it for you. <laughs> she's I mean, she's great. She got taken to the Oscar. She was there in the dress. Everybody saw her. Everybody was like, who is this child sitting next to Leonardo DiCaprio? And I was like, you know what? That is that wonderful actress who plays Angela or sorry, not even Angela, Jesse. Wow, oh, my brain, honestly. But I saw her and I was like I saw her and I was like, that's the actress who plays Jessie and never going back. Okay, put some respect on Camila's name, baby. But yeah, so now that I've basically done a deep dive into their relationship, I think it is time we end our episode. So, of course, as always, you can find us on social media at BlessedPick on Twitter. That's the only social media we currently have established. We might establish more at some point. Who knows? Please feel free to comment, rate, subscribe, etc., etc., to our podcast on Apple Podcasts as it will really help us out. And of course, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including Pocket Cast, Overcast, and Spotify. And we also are currently hosting our podcast on Anchor FM. And if you like this episode, feel free to recommend us to your friends, family members, your pancake makers, your Danny DeVitos of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We are an entirely independently produced podcast, so word of mouth really helps us out, and hopefully we can keep this show on the road. Keep it going, you know? Keep it keep it fresh. Just keep living, to quote Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Just keep living, baby. Thank you so much for listening to Blast Picture. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, Hope we didn't spoil beaches for you. But that movie's old if as hell. We don't, we're so, so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you for listening. Bye.